From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 186. Today's show is brought to you by Anchor, Mac Walden, and Simple Contacts. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined live and on location by Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hello from Chicago, Mike Hurley. We're, we're going to get to all of this in a moment, including the special location that you're in. But I have a Snell Talk question for you, Jason. Um, and we're going completely off reservation today with a question from Corey. And Corey wants to know, Jason, The Office or Parks and Rec? I'm going to say that one's actually pretty easy because uh, Parks and Rec. Because I Ooh. find The Office makes me – I like The Office – Makes me a little uncomfortable. It's my daughter's favorite TV show. But for me, I would choose Parks and Rec because it's a little less cringy and painful. And I uh, I never had a boss like Leslie Nope, but I did have a boss who was kind of like Michael Scott. So Parks and Rec. That is interesting to me because uh, I love The Office. I love Parks and Rec, but The Office wins for me. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Office. And I actually wanted to provide a piece of follow-out here, Jason, to a new show on The Incomparable. That features mm. Micah Sargent and Tiff Armin. It's called Somehow mm-hmm. I Manage. And it's all about The Office. They're doing a rewatch of the entire show. And it's adorable and wonderful. And I think everyone should go and listen to it because it's great. And I'm now, I'm now slowly rewatching The Office along with them. Yes, I agree. I, they, people should check it out. Without further ado, we should probably get into today's proceedings. You are calling in uh, from Chicago. You are in yes. the uh, Dubai Friday slash Roboism slash Cards Against Humanity studio. Yes, the Magic Tavern, indeed. Indeed, and you are, and we have a producer today, which is a wonderful thing to. Like, we're so professional now. Finally, hi, hi producer Alex Cox. Hello. This is a this is this is a thing. This is quite a thing. I feel like we've ascended to the big leagues now that we have a producer for an episode. Yeah, uh, with uh, there's like a big glass window with somebody sitting behind it who's who's uh, listening and occasionally laughing, but you can't hear it because it's soundproof. Mm-hmm. And then they can press a button and they talk at any moment. And uh, it, it makes me feel like I'm on a, like a TV show about radio, like uh, like Frasier. That's hello Seattle. I'm listening. <laughs> Except we're in Chicago. You and are in I'm Chicago not listening. because today you attended. Uh, Apple's education event and uh, listeners of our previous episode will know that we took a draft as we always do for our predictions um, of the event and I guess we should run through how we did and it was a disaster I think is it was ugly <laughs> the best way to put it I, I, I feel like we may have in the past scored similarly but not so badly because there were so many of these picks that weren't even close. And like sometimes what happens is we score, you know, we get about half of the picks right, but kind of we're in the ballpark with some things, right? But we just missed the exact answers. Um, but for this draft, about two thirds of the things that were on our list were just not even, not even close. No, I, in fact, I, I am at some point late in the, event when they were showing a video i flipped over to my uh, apple draft uh scorecard and i looked at the ones i didn't go back and forth i just looked at mine first and i thought oh my god i got destroyed i only got four right then i looked at your side Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was like this is the i am going to wear the crown for this draft but it is a crown of shame i i kind of scored it at like 4-2. 
Yeah, it's arguably 4-3, and it doesn't really matter because I got four. Yeah. But uh, Stephen Hackett, our adjudicator, um, you know, the rules, the Constitution, the bylaws mm-hmm. of the upgrade draft say, one, Stephen Hackett will make all decisions and that w- where we can't agree. And two, no half points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so Stephen gave gave a half point for one of your choices. That's not how it which works. Not, no, it, it turns out our adjudicator doesn't know the rules. Um, so the the things that that I kind of scored you was correct. Uh, new Apple Classroom features, uh, Apple Pencil support on non pro iPads, Class Kit, and a new Apple created iOS app. That's what I scored your four on. Um, yep. I had a question mark on the lower base price for the iPad, but I don't think that we can count the education price, really. No, it already existed. That, oh, that price it? was already the education price. Well, so look at that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's definitely not, not it. No, it, at least I prioritized my picks right. My first four picks are right, and then there were the four I threw away at the end. Yeah, that that's actually pretty good, pretty good skill from you there. Uh, I got new basic <laughs> iPad. Um, First and pick, good pick. iWork updates, which if I remember rightly, you thought was never going to happen, which is hilarious. I was very impressed when they announced that. I was just thinking it was like a picture of Mike appeared above the screen and angels sang like, iWork updates. <laughs> I was, I was very happy impressed. with that. When I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm going to clean up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the other one that was a question for me was an iBooks update, but that didn't really happen, which was a surprise because that was the one that literally everyone thought was a luck, right? Every, like everybody, everybody figured thought be, it was a luck. And the only reason it was a potential half point is that they did – Basically, it seems like kill iBooks author and roll it back Mm because it actually was an adapted version of Pages back into Pages on Mac and now on iOS for book creation inside Pages. But that's not actually an update to iBooks. And if somebody – if one of us had picked iBooks author, which was actually on our list and didn't get picked, Mm -hmm. that would have been the one that would have gotten, I think, credited. So so I think in the end it's four to two, I would say. Yeah, I still think that like eleven three is still going to change the name, uh, but that nothing was even mentioned close to that on stage. So right. yeah. uh, you take away the first win of the year, which is <sighs> it's a strong point to have, right? Because you're going into WWDC with a point in your pocket, so you could take yep. a, what you could potentially take the entire year um, at, at WWDC. So yeah, I could basically just pick Spinal Tap for all my picks and still be okay as long as I do well in the fall. I, I feel like you've misunderstood my point, but like, sure, you can do that <laughs> if you want to. Do you know what, Jason? <laughs> do it. I, I would like you to go for okay. that uh, because there is literally uh, any chance of there ever being Spinal Tap has now passed. Right? You're right, because like eleven has come up, and they did a jet black phone. That's what they want you to think, and that's when they get you. That's when mm. Apple truly surprises you. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's that is what they do when on stage. True surprises. All right, we should mm-hmm. talk about the whole event and some of the announcements from today. But before we do that, let me thank our first sponsor, and today that is Simple Contacts. It is amazing when an app can take a tiresome task, a thing that is a frustration in your life, and make it completely fuss-free. And that is what Simple Contacts does by being the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription. You'll be able to reorder your contacts from anywhere in just minutes, and all you need to do is complete their online self-guided vision test – 
in, which takes less than five minutes, and you can do it from wherever you are right now. There are no more needs for doctor's offices or waiting rooms. You can order your favorite contacts right from the Simple Contacts website or app. They offer all the lens branches that you love with options for astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. And you'll be able to order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand whenever you want, whenever is convenient for you. The vision test is just $20, which for comparison, if you wanted to get an appointment without insurance, you could be looking at over 200 Simple Contacts can save you money and time, but I do want to let you know, and I have to, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. This is just so you can get the contacts that you need. Now, Jason, I understand you have downloaded the Simple Contacts app and, and taken the, the vision test, and I kind of just wanted to know what that experience was like. Yeah, it was very easy. You set it up and uh, it takes pictures of your of your face, of your eyes, mm-hmm. and it's trying to make sure that you can read. Uh, basically, it wants your to make sure your prescription hasn't drifted because this is not a replacement for that eye test. And they want to make sure everything is okay. And then uh, at that point, you're done with that. And then you just go on and, and put in what uh, the contact brand is that you use, which mine is, I have a real, really obscure prescription with an astigmatism correction and all this stuff. And they had it. It was it was right there. It was not a problem. It showed up first thing. They nice. had it, which I, I was not convinced was going to be the case, but it was there. They surprised you. As a listener of this show, you can get $30 off your contact lenses. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash ahoy, A-H-O-Y, or you can enter the code ahoy at checkout. That is simplecontacts.com slash ahoy, or simply use code ahoy at checkout for $30 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show. So today I was following live blogs like it was 2009. There was no uh, video of the event. So I had, uh, I had Twitter up, I had live blog up, I had the Verges live blog up, and I was following along on the Six Colors live events Twitter account and was kind of just tune in and see what was going on. Um, it was really weird for me to kind of know that stuff was happening but all I could do was wait for things to refresh. Like every time I saw, oh, it's a video now. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll wait for a minute. Shall I? It was very strange. Um, but I have to say, yeah. I did enjoy the nostalgia because I would say overall, the event was was a, a whelming event. Like there wasn't a ton to it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of excitement. Kind of got a bunch of stuff that I was expecting that you were expecting. Um, so I don't know to have to have there be some kind of nostalgia to it gave me something. Um, having been in the in the environment, having seen the event, Jason, because you were there in person today uh, in Chicago at Lane Tech High. Um, do you think that there was more of a reason to not have the live video than just a technical one? Uh, do you think they were handling expectations? Like, why do you think that there was no live video today? I it's a good question. I think my number one theory is that it's a new place with new equipment that they've never been before and that they were reluctant to do it because it could not work. Mm-hmm. And then they would have people complaining and there'd be a stream failure and you know it is a minor event on their calendar so perhaps investing money in and uh frustration in uh, potentially in getting it to go live when they could just make it live an hour or two later, uh, maybe it wasn't worth it for them. So that's my number one is just, it was that they didn't, not that they couldn't do it, but that they couldn't do it and feel like they wouldn't run into trouble and didn't want to spend the effort, you know, to double and triple protect so that it worked right the first time. And this is the only time they're probably ever going to do an event here. So do they really want to do that? That's my number one. Number two would be, I suppose, yes, since it's a minor event, doesn't matter as much. I, I guess you, though, 
you know, it's an Apple media event. People are going to pay attention regardless. I think any Apple event is going to get attention. So if they could stream it live, I, I don't think they would be like, eh, people aren't going to be happy about it. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think they want people to see it. That's why they call the event. My third wildcard theory is that there may actually be something specific, and I don't know what this would be exactly, but it, it is a Chicago public school, and I don't know if there potentially is some weird regulation about – uh, about live, you know, performances or on the internet or something. I d- honestly don't know, but my guess is it's the first one. Max, Max says no. By the way, Max, friends of friend of the show, Max Temkin has just emerged from mm. a uh, a secret location behind producer Alex Cox <laughs> to shake his head. So I think okay. it's I think it's just they didn't want to screw it up. I think I literally I think the simplest explanation, the Occam's Razor explanation, is they couldn't guarantee with the level of precision they can do for the the venues that they're familiar with that they would be able to make it work live. Okay. So they just decided not to worry about it. And it wasn't as an important enough event that they felt like they had to like control 100% of what was being said about it, yeah. right? Like you know, they weren't unveiling anything here that was going to like shatter headlines around the world. No, so, it's not an know. iPhone announcement. No. That and the iPhone announcement is the big one and it wasn't that. And they'll be they'll be sure to do that one live everywhere. I have to say while we were walking in, I had several people say uh, to me, like this is like the old days, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's uh, pretty funny that we're we're back doing this. And I was reminded. I said, I remember when we were told as we were walking into an Apple event at I think Town Hall, although it might have been at Moscone, no live blogging, no blogging, no blogging. <laughs> that was actually a thing. And I said, oh, I'm not going to do any live blogging. And instead, what I had is I, I had an iChat window open to Peter Cohen, our news writer back at the office. Ooh, and I would just smell. give him the play-by-play. And then Cohen would turn it into a news story with quotes and, and, and paragraphs and stuff. And we weren't live blogging. We were uh, doing a continuously updated news story. Totally different. Sneaky. Anyway, they got over it. They got over it because uh, it, it, they realized that the live blogging was actually good. And it then was. they did get to that moment where they started doing it live. And then all of us live bloggers were like, why do we exist anymore? And I actually think that the live commentary stuff is better. <laughs> I actually yeah. kind of like – I prefer when we're there to give analysis to what we're seeing on stage beyond like the – you know. Because there's probably, in terms of news breaking at any of these events, even the most laden with information events, there's probably a good, what, eight tweets in that mm-hmm. if we're, if we're mm-hmm. live tweeting an event. And the rest of it is all quotes and details and things like that. That I, I think it's kind of nice to stop having to do that because people can watch live and the people who really want the breaking news can get that. And then you can also add this other layer, which is I'm not I'm no longer transcribing what – uh, what Greg Joswiak is staying, saying on stage. Now I'm saying, here's why that's an interesting point. Here's they're 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 you know referencing Google there. That's interesting because of this and all of that. And I think I actually kind of like it better that way. Um, now that everybody can see most of these events live. But this was a throwback, and uh, that that was fine. So I want to ask you like kind of an overarching meta question for this entire event. Um, having seen it all and and being in the environment, why did this event exist? Why did Apple not do this stuff with press releases? Like, what was happening that really required bringing all of these people together today? Uh, Apple wants to tell, wanted to tell a story about education. Bottom line, they want to talk about how awesome their products are in the education market, especially the iPad. They really want to push 
further the idea of iPads in schools. And um, and the fact is, there is a narrative out there that is about the success of Chromebooks in schools. Chromebooks have, I think they have more than half the market now in education. It has been a huge success for Google and its hardware partners for Chromebooks. These cheap laptops that don't run any operating system, which also means that they need much less maintenance because they're just Chromebooks. They're basically browser tabs. They all get updated automatically. They can be very easily controlled by administrators. And uh, so put the ease of control and the limit to what you can do with them to screw them up together with a low price. And you can see why those would be successful in schools. So Apple is fighting against that perception and wants to tell a story about why they're, again, people who were expecting Apple to, I kind of hoped they would cut the price a little bit, but expected Apple to compete on price down at the level of a Chromebook. I think that was unrealistic. In fact, if you look, the first Chrome OS tablet just was announced. Mm -hmm. And I think it costs what the iPad costs. <laughs> I think it's a 329 or maybe it's a 349 Like, it's not an unreasonable for a product with these specs to have this price. Yeah. I think what Apple wants to tell is not that we're going to be your low-price leader. We're going we're gonna to compete with this cheap, crappy, but cheap laptop. And, you know, you get what you pay for, but the advantage is it's, it's cheap, a cheap Chromebook lap, laptop, right? What Apple wants to do is tell the story of why you pay more for Apple because you get more. And you get more because you get these apps and you get uh, the pencil now and you get, uh, you know, these apps, <laughs> again, these apps, you get AR, you get like they're, they're trying to tell that story about why even though the Apple stuff is uh, is more expensive, it's better as a way to get some segment of the market to be willing to spend that money to get the better thing or to feel good about it or to give ammunition to the people who are arguing that this should be what we buy instead of the Chromebooks. And 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 so by adding the new iPad with the pencil and all of that and the AR apps and the improvements to their um, their software, including the expansion of the iCloud storage space, which is a big thing today, they're able to tell that story. And that's why this event exists, is essentially, instead of just rolling out the iPad with a press release and saying, we also have a couple of changes to our education stuff, like most people don't even know that they, they mentioned the multi-user login stuff today for iPads. And I will guarantee you that somebody wrote that up as a brand new feature. And I think it's existed for two years now. But um, people don't know about it because people aren't really attuned to the education market. So this was a chance for Apple to to devote some time and show some love for education. And I think also saying we care about education and we love teachers and all of these things makes people who are in the education world feel better about Apple too. So yeah. I think that's part okay. of it is Apple selling itself to to education. So it's it's about all of that. And they they seem to bring a lot of teachers in, and if I'm if I'm correct in mm -hmm. kind of following along from home, uh, it was all female, all the teachers, all women, yeah, which which is which was great, right? There was I think just uh, Jos and Tim Cook were the only guys on stage, and uh, yes, it was, was all women from there. I think yeah, well, the teachers and also the Apple uh, some Apple people, yeah. And I you know just wanted to shout out that it was great to see uh, App Camp for Girls get a mention on stage as well, which is a yeah that was that was exciting. That was Tim Cook just saying you know here's App Camp for Girls is using Swift to teach girls. Oh, he how to actually code and said it. Apps. That's amazing because 
we don't get it. All I saw, I saw the, the I saw their logo on a slide, but he actually spoke about it. That's oh no, amazing. Tim Cook said "App Cam for Girls" out loud. Yes, wonderful. So those, I'm sure, I'm sure they will. When the video comes up, then they'll be even more excited. But yeah, it was it was an example in how different education groups are uh, teaching people how to code. That is amazing. I'm really pleased about mm-hmm. that. That was pretty cool. They did a great job with the whole highlighting education stuff, and I, we all. Uh, especially in the media, have to look at it with that layer of, re- of remove, which is what is Apple selling here and why, like, why are they doing what they're doing? But on the base level of how they showcased education and how technology is being used in education, they did a great job of showing that. And then people can criticize that and say that it was, you know, they can say it was cynical or that it's not realistic or there, there are lots of things that I think your experts who are educators who are people like Fraser Spears and Bradley Chambers and uh, people like that who who talk about this and write about this a lot will have their takes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did I do think Apple did a great job of expressing uh, a love of teachers and students and a pride in the fact that like the everyone can code stuff has been so embraced in a lot of places. So you had a whole day of school today. Turns out. Yeah, I went to school, had to get there, you know, got there uh, a little before 8.30, got a, had to wait in line to be let in the door, which is unusual, I think, for school. But uh, then we were in this huge, it's a huge building with these long halls and there's lockers and there's mm-hmm. an auditorium and and there are classrooms. And so we, you know, we started in a in kind of a holding area, which was in a, this big um uh, sort of a wide spot in the hallway, quite frankly, but it was it was in the middle of a hallway, right by the uh, the teachers' bathrooms. I went in the teachers' bathroom at one point, Mike. It was very <laughs> exciting. I kept waiting for a teacher to come in and say, "Hey, you don't belong in here. Get back to class." But it didn't happen because there were no because it was spring break, so there were no teachers there. There were students. There probably were some teachers there, but there were a, a bunch of Lane Tech students were there. They had to get a like a permission slip signed because I actually heard somebody say, if you're a student, bring your permission slip signed Incredible. and we'll let Incredible. you in. And they got to see the event, which was cool. And they were running around. At one point, there were a bunch of them running down the stairs from upstairs where we weren't allowed to go. And um, one of the people who was there, because the Apple staffs these things, incredible. there were like hundreds of people there lining the hallways saying, do you need any help? Where would you like to go? And they said to the the there was like five girls coming down the stairs. Do you need any help? And one of them just says, "No, we go here. We know where everything is." And they left. <laughs> it was pretty great. But they were they were at the event, which was pretty cool. So after all of that, um, sort of like the the preview stuff where we get there and they serve coffee and and they got breakfast and stuff like that. Um, and you know, journalists are never going to turn down free food, so that's very popular. Then they lead us into the auditorium. We have the presentation, which was about an hour, and then. Actually, as we were checking in, we were told, check your email. You just received your class schedule. And we all got this little thing that said, here's where you're going. You're going, you you know, you're going here for orientation, which was the breakfast, basically. Then there's the presentation. And then you're going to go, there's a classroom and there's a hands-on lab. And they had, had, there were multiple rooms. So they were kind of scheduling different people to different places. But after the event, that's what, uh, what we ended up doing is walking down many of these very long hallways into these classrooms, these amazing classrooms. Uh, there's like a an arts section in one classroom and there's like a science section in another classroom where the people are like using um, using uh, Swift Playgrounds to fly drones and to roll around little Sphero balls. Um, a lot of really cool stuff. And then uh, also like a classroom demo and an iPad cart demo and administrative and IT for that stuff. So they had 
um, multiple classrooms and then these four, no, three big hands-on areas with people showing off apps and different technologies. So they put a lot of effort into getting uh, just a huge amount of samples of what people are doing with uh, educational apps and and also like maintenance and rollout of these devices. So there was there was an awful lot of other stuff in this huge venue. Um, they they took over you know many many classrooms. It seemed like that they really leaned into the theme, right? That they they you know these were hands on areas, but they gave them a, a fun flair, right? And I think yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. And I think um, they want to leave the impression with everybody involved that Apple is serious about education. And I think they – which I think they did successfully. And I I think there's a a point of pride here too, which is Apple feels that they are really innovating in education stuff and that when people write about – I think maybe they want to change the narrative from uh, Chromebooks are selling well to be, well, Chromebooks are selling well, but look at all the amazing things Apple is doing. Because I that honestly, that's what they want to do. They want to be the people who you know they want to be the company that is um, viewed as being the better answer. They don't they they're not going to be the cheaper answer, but they want to be viewed as the better answer. And so by setting all this up and telling the story and showing the richness of it, and then relaying this event and all the other work they're going to do, every other conversation they have with somebody in education now, they're going to point at this and say, see, did you see our event? Did you see how many things? Did you see the story that came out of it? All of that is going to factor in. But isn't there like a weird kind of duality to this type of thing? Like Apple are on stage talking about like all of the tools that they have and how amazing it is and how it helps kids learn. But it is priced at a point where many, many, maybe most schools can't afford it. Like, isn't there like a weird thing to that where they're like, oh, our tools are better, but not for all kids? I mean, it's awkward, I don't know. right? Isn't it? An, it's, it's kind of an awkward thing to say, like to stand on stage and say like how much better your tools are and how much more they can help kids learn. But then it's priced at a point which they choose and that point that they choose whether it's through what they want their margins to be or what they want their hardware to look like but it prices it prices schools out of the equation yeah i think the i think that's the underlying tension in any conversation about apple and education and i see a lot of criticism of apple for it and i think some of it is justified which is apple is trying to do both it's trying to be what it's always been which is this you know, kind of luxury brand. We always talk about how it's never the low price leader. Apple's never going to make a $400 laptop, right? They're just not going to do it because Apple's not going to play in that market. Apple's going to, going to always be in the mid to high end and they're going to, they're going to, and you get what you pay for. You get quality and you know, they're, they're not making a completely despect device so that they can sell it for $300 and you've got a lousy experience and it doesn't last and it feels flimsy. They're just not going to play in those areas. And that's been their game for a long time. And they're very successful with it because they're playing in areas where the margins are better. Same on phones, same on computers. The problem is that schools are not, a lot of schools anyway, certainly public schools, are not places where 
um, you know, purchasing luxury products are particularly common, even if it's affordable luxury products. It's it, it doesn't really fit with Apple's that part of Apple's brand because schools, especially public schools, have very small budgets. They need to get stuff that's cheap and they need it to last, which is very hard. So if you're Apple, you know, you have a choice to make. You can forego margins. <laughs> on education products. And I believe that back in the day, they did more of that. Back in the day, the education prices for Apple stuff was a lot lower than the regular price. And they don't seem to do as much of that anymore. And I don't think Apple has cut its margins that much to regular people. I think it's just reduced the the margin cuts that it offers to education. And that's just something that they've decided is that they're not willing to sacrifice margin in order to increase their market share in education. And as a result, you end up in the situation where Apple is making the case saying, yeah, our stuff's more expensive, but it's better. And if you can afford it, uh, and it's better and it lasts longer and, you know, the apps are great and it, it, it will be an overall better buy for you. The funny thing is the complaints I hear from educators, you talk to Fraser Spears about um, who does out of school with Bradley Chambers, right? They do a podcast about education tech. Did. It um, ended last week, but yes. <laughs> oh, they did? Well, yeah, 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 it came to an end last week, but th- there's still That's a lot true. Of, inf- of information there if you want it. That's true. That's true. It was a bad timing. I would say yeah. they need to they need to bring it back for one more episode now. Um, the that's it's complete now. You can listen to the whole thing and not yeah. worry about it. Uh, so so Fraser's compl- complaints about this about Apple's present presentation in schools like he's not complaining about the hardware. <laughs> he's not complaining about the prices. He's complaining about the software and the cloud services and all sorts of, and the administrative overhead and managing Apple IDs and things like that. So again, yes, it's true. Apple has chosen not to build the, the, uh, uh, you know, low cost technology solution that will get them to maximize their market share in education. But their argument is very similar to the argument in the rest of the market, which is, um, no, we're not going to give you a, a $150 iPad, but when you buy our stuff, you get what you pay for. You get value that you're not going to get. And as long as that's true, I think it's okay. The challenge is if somebody looks at a Chromebook and looks at an iPad and says, this costs half of what the iPad does, and it basically does everything I need. And and this other AR and the pencil and all of that, that's great, but I can't afford it. And would we really use it? And it's nice to have, but uh, it's not in my budget, and I'm not going to prioritize it and forget it. And that's that's where the rubber meets the road for Apple and education is can they do enough so that people see the value in what they're doing? Do they have that value there to make that argument that you get what you pay for? And even though it's more expensive, there's a whole lot of advantage to using the Apple stuff. And, you know, you talk to people in education and some of them say that's true and some of them say it's not true. And I think that's behind the rise in Chromebooks. And I'm not convinced that this is going to be enough on its own. But if the rise in Chromebooks has lit a fire under Apple in terms of education and this is the first real sign of it, uh, then great. If Apple walks away and says we've done enough now and the, and the market says forget it, you have not, then they'll feel it. Yeah, I I definitely can't detach myself from the like the weirdness that I feel with with some of it. You know, like I know where I went to school and I know my school couldn't afford wouldn't have been able to afford this. 
right where I grew up in London, and I know that they still wouldn't be able to now, you know, and and so it, it it is awkward. I find it an awkward thing at times, you know. Like you look at that score that they picked out today, it seemed like that that is a very very well put together score that they chose, like from a financial sure. perspective, you know. And, and and I think that it is awkward to kind of be like we're enabling this amazing stuff for the future, you know, the future of today. But like only in areas that can afford it, and and I don't know. There is there is a there's an awkwardness to that to me. But we don't need to no, labor the point anymore. Than no, that. I I think it it may be worth talking about at some point. This is this is a criticism that our friend um, Andy Anako, late of the Chicago Sun Times, mm-hmm. uh, but no longer. By the way, um, if you are somebody who wants to hire a great tech writer, Andy is available, and uh, you should talk to him. I saw him today. He's great. Um, he brings up this point a lot, which is. Uh, there is a debate to be had about whether Apple, if its goal is to make the world better, should be saying, well, we want to make the world better, but only for people who can afford the the lowest level to which we're willing to stoop. And that if you can't afford a laptop that costs more than – can't afford a laptop that costs more than $799 or $699 – uh, if you can't afford an iPhone that costs whatever the base price of the cheapest iPhone is, sorry, you can't afford us. And I think there's an argument to be made that I that Apple has standards and that they don't want their brand connected with products that they don't think are good enough. But I have heard and I can understand the other argument, which is it is Apple saying um, basically our stuff is for schools that have money. <laughs> and then if you don't have money, find a lesser product to use instead. That and that's the that's the dark way of painting that. Yeah. All right. There is there were a bunch of announcements today, and there is a bunch of interesting stuff in that. So why don't we put a pin in this topic? We'll move on to that. Yes. But first, uh, we'll take our second break and thank Anchor for their support of this show. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you've seen this event today and you're like, I have some stuff to say, well, just go download the Anchor app from the App Store, and that's all you need. You can just talk into your phone like you're talking on the phone, and then Anchor takes care of the rest. They have a bunch of great tools where you can add in music, and you can add in transitions, and you can add in multiple clips over a space of time. People can call into your station, and you can add that in as well. It's really, really cool. Anchor has some fantastic tools, and they've taken it a step further by adding a bunch of new features on the web as well. So they have a full web system now, at anchor.fm so you can upload your files directly to them you could produce them in the same way that we produce this show you get analytics now as well so you can see how many people are listening to your show there are no fees for their podcast hosting and anchor will help you distribute your shows to a variety of platforms there's a great way to find out more about anchor go to anchor.fm slash relay fm you'll find out more information about our new show there which is called subnet which is a tech news flash briefing show hosted by uh, really fm co-founder steven Hackett. It gives you the latest headlines on technology to help keep you informed. And we chose Anchor because they have fantastic tools for this stuff. They were able to get us onto Amazon Echo and Google Home really easily because that's something that's really, really difficult to do. Um, Anchor's method of distribution is great. And they give you an RSS feed and, and all that kind of stuff and also give you a place on the web for your shows to live. If you have something you want to say, if you have a podcast you want to start, there's nothing stopping you because Anchor makes it so easy. Go to anchor.fm slash RelayFM to check out more about what Anchor has to offer and also to subscribe to and check out Subnet. Our thanks to Anchor for their support of this show and RelayFM. 
So the iPad was the big news of the day in general. Um, and I want to ask you some questions about the lack of the Mac um, in this event a little bit later on. But the iPad was what we expected. The iPad was what was focused on. We got the new 9.7-inch iPad. Um, well, is it, is my question to you, Jason. What is this device? Is this an update to the 9.7-inch, or is this just a slightly hobbled iPad Pro? What What is this device? It's the sixth-generation iPad, Mike. I mean, it is a 9.7. It's got the updated processor. It's got the A10, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Touch ID, all of those things. And it's got the really the thing that is different is that it's got Apple Pencil support, which you know, is a no-brainer. I think that's why we all talked about it last week. Like, that is such a great thing to offer to education to have a pencil support. Just you can think of it like students using the Apple Pencil to write and draw and take notes and do all of those things. Like, yes, they need to do that. So they added that in, which means that they had to upgrade the digitizer and, you know, do all the magic that they need to do to get the Apple Pencil to work on it. But otherwise, it's just a step forward for that base model, sixth generation, 9.7-inch iPad. So it really is better to think of this as a 9.7-inch with a pencil, right? Because it has no smart connector. It doesn't have ProMotion or True Tone or anything like that, right? It's exactly. Just, and that, it, is, the, is the processor, is that an update, the A10 processor, is that an update to this line? Yeah, is, I think so. Okay. So it's, but again, like it doesn't have the A10X like right, our current uh, iPad Pros do. Um, let's talk about the Apple Pencil, right? Because really that's what's going on here you know you can get it in a gold that lovely gold color now which is like the gold that you get on the the iphone 8 um but really this is just an ipad at the same price point but it's got apple pencil support so why now like apple pencil support is now clearly not seen to be a pro thing anymore this is what we were speculating on but apple have made that the case right apple pencil support doesn't mean that your ipad is a pro ipad anymore yeah, it. Uh, I would say, and we talked about this last week. The Pro iPad Pro doesn't mean what it meant when the Apple Pencil came out. Like iPad Pro used to mean it has um, a smart connect. Well, first it meant it's twelve point nine inches, right? Yep. yep and then the yep. nine point seven came out, iPad Pro, and we're like, oh, well, what they've got in common is they've got the um, they've got with the nine point seven. It was they've got the wide color gamut, and they've got the um, pencil, and they've got the smart connector. And that's what it is. That's that's really what what separates them. But in the intervening year, the nine point seven and the uh, and the nine point seven got turned into a ten point five, and then they also updated the twelve point nine to bring it into spec. So they're they're both with bigger screens and better specs. And there's enough room in there for them to push the pencil down and say the pencil is not what makes an iPad Pro an iPad Pro now, uh, which. It would have been harder, a harder case to make when they introduced the iPad Pro. But uh, I think that was the right call. I think if you look at this, if there's if there's one thing to do, it's to bring down the um, it's to bring down the uh, the pencil to to this because this is such a great market for it in education. And that's probably the core of why this event happened. That's probably the little seed at the center that said, okay, what story can we tell around this? Because we want to bring the pencil to the low-end iPad because it's going to be great in education. And then from that, they, you know, they built an entire education event. 
Yeah, because like it really did feel like the pencil was the star of the show. Like it, it appeared to be that every slide was drawn with an Apple pencil, right? It looked like that, and and all of the marketing on Apple's website is very focused around handwriting. So like, the Apple pencil is 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 right there. It's like right front and center in all of this. Yeah, that's the that's the story. But there was no new Apple Pencil. It is the Apple Pencil that we know and love, right? It's the same one that there's always been. Yeah, it's it's no different. There's an $89 education price, which mm-hmm. I assume was there before, but now it's more relevant. But it's just the Apple Pencil. Nothing nothing new. That was a, that was a draft pick that <laughs> yeah. didn't go. Do you think that adding an Apple Pencil to a regular iPad makes it an easier purchase for people? Like, do you think we're going to see even more sales of this $329 iPad, which is what it's priced at for consumers because it now supports the Apple Pencil. Yeah, I think it makes a better product in general. I think that's I think that's true. I don't know how much, you know, how niche is the pencil? Like, is it the, the product that, like so many people, I just, I just want to draw things on my iPad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm sure it will sell more of them um, I think Apple is confident enough that any lost sales to somebody who was going to buy an iPad Pro just for the pencil will be made up by the fact that they are going to sell a lot more iPads and there are plenty of other reasons to buy an iPad Pro. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting though. Like, you know, I I'm definitely believe that this year the iPad Pro takes more steps into its future like what makes it a pro device you know we spoke about that like the way we think it's going to look and it is interesting to me that they haven't got that to show now but they have brought this the the lower end ipad closer to it right so they've made the the ipad pro less competitive right at, at this point right now um so you know obviously our assumption would be that they really believe that this is going to be a, a net positive thing for the iPad line to add the Apple Pencil to the lower end iPad now potentially at the detriment of the iPad Pro which is a much more expensive device. I guess it depends on how much you love the Apple Pencil because as as somebody who loves the Apple Pencil you may feel very strongly that mm-hmm. it's a huge asset for the iPad Pro. I, I do. don't as somebody who doesn't use the Apple Pencil eh. I think it's I think it's there, but I yeah. think it's I think it can survive without it. I don't think it's the, I, I that do big think a deal. Apple believe it though, you know, like it, they've put a lot of well, marketing weight into this at least. Well, sure, but I think Apple believes that it's not um, the pencil support is no longer required mm-hmm. to drive people to the iPad Pro. That there are plenty of other reasons to get an iPad Pro, and that presumably there'll be a new iPad Pro probably you know later this year that will make it even more of a stark difference between them, and that that's enough. But what do you think is more important, though, Apple Pencil or Smart Keyboard to schools? Uh, good question. Now, the Smart Keyboard is not cheap. Um, I'm a little surprised. I, I, I wondered about that. I think the Smart Connector is not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe it's not as much of a driver as we thought it might be. Um, I wonder what research Apple did about 
the like the smart keyboard in schools and whether they w- would buy smart keyboards if those were available versus the pencil and realized the pencil is cheaper and the potential uh, applications for the pencil are so strong that it's more important to get that on there than the smart keyboard. I'm still a little surprised that they didn't have like, well, we've added the smart connector to this thing and there's this fancy Logitech case. I also heard from some people who said that in some schools for certain tests, um, a wired keyboard is required. Like they don't trust wireless keyboards, which is kind of wacky, but that Hmm. would be an application for the smart connector. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think the answer is probably that if you look at the the cost of the Logitech case they mentioned when they rolled this out, that there's a new Logitech like rugged case for it. Yep. That the whole goal there was kind of to optimize for price, um, and building in a smart connector does not do that. So I think I think it's an arguable thing for the future that bringing a keyboard down for schools is going to be also a use case. But as we found out, it's not the end of the world to use a Bluetooth keyboard. You know, that's what I use. Or well, well, to type time. on the screen, right? Again, like I, I feel like screen. it cannot oh, yeah. be. Yeah. Like, I know that there are some schools and some school districts that require keyboards in the US, which I know is why it's an important thing. And maybe for some older students, but unless that is a requirement, I, I really, really just feel like we have to remember that kids are used to glass like this is yeah that's right this is what this is what we do now right like they may not have any problem with the i i i'm still not convinced that there are schools out there that are saying write a whole essay on your ipads keyboard but Mm -hmm. um it's less of an issue over time so we we mentioned it but i'll reiterate it this this ipad is at 329 dollars for consumers and 299 dollars for schools is this the pricing you would have wanted to see? Would you have liked to have seen? I mean, you know, everyone would have liked to have seen this be less, of course. Like, why not? Right, make it fifty dollars. If you, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, everyone would like it to be less. But was this what you was expecting? Did you think Apple were going to try and price this more aggressively than they did? Well, I, you know, we'll refer back to what we talked about a little while ago, which is. I would like to have seen them be a little more aggressive. Yes. I think from Apple's perspective, maybe what they did was say, okay, we're not going to lower the price, but we're going to add pencil and we're going to do it that way. Like, which would you prefer mm-hmm. a uh, an iPad that was $40 cheaper or an iPad with pencil? Because I don't know how much the pencil support adds to the cost, but it definitely adds to the cost of the hardware. Um, you could also argue though that you could you could afford a lower price if you're selling a certain number of $89 pencils along with those iPads. So yes, I I would love Apple to be cheaper because I want uh, schools to have the option e- more easily to buy iPads. I, I think that would be great because it, as you said earlier, it opens up more schools to this product. But, you know, Apple's got its pricing philosophy. And as we've said many times on this show, if you have an imaginary price that you would love for an Apple product, it will be higher than that. <laughs> Just that's Apple. $329 for this iPad for consumers is pretty good though. Like it's a great price. It was a great, a great price, price last year and it's yep. still a great price. And that's why that's the funny thing when we t- talk about quarterly results for Apple, one of the funny things that comes up is they've had quarters that show the iPad Pro strategy. Now that they've bifurcated the line and there's iPad Pros and iPad, 
um, and the iPad's cheaper and the iPad Pros are more powerful. What has happened is that um, the sometimes we get results that say, oh, the iPad Pro is really selling well. And other times we get results that say, oh, that low-cost iPad is really selling well, which I take away to think to mean the iPad's doing well. They split those things in two, and they're both successful at what they're trying to be. One is the very expensive, cutting-edge tech iPad Pro, and the other is enough iPad for most people for 329 which is down from what it used to be. And if you look at the tablet market, there's nobody in the tablet market anymore. That new Chromebook tablet, um, Chrome OS tablet, is basically the price of the iPad. It's the, the low end iPad. It's $329. And then there's Amazon with their cheap tablets. And that's basically it. Like that, that market has just died. Google has abandoned it uh, for, uh, for Android. And um, there's just not a lot of, I mean, the iPad does incredibly well in all the segments that it plays in, in the tablet market. So by pushing it down to 329, Apple has already opened the door there. And it's great. I, again, I keep thinking to myself, if it was 299 for everybody and 279 for schools, would that make the iPad even more successful? But at the same time, I get that Apple has the cost of building these things and they have a profit margin they want to hit. And they may feel like they came down enough to go all the way down to 329 for them. So let's move into some software-related stuff. So iWork received some updates um, to give it more pencil features. One of these things, there's well, two things. There's a, like a reports feature where you can annotate on it, and there's a there's a feature coming for teachers called Smart Annotation. Did you have any chance to play with either of these? I didn't get to play them. I got to see them, but okay. I didn't get to actually use them. Yeah, um, Smart Annotation is, is clever because what it does is it attaches your uh, pen marks to the text, on the document. So if you circle a word and say remove this or you know cross it out or whatever and then they're making they're inputting changes into the document in pages um, and the the paragraph rewraps mm-hmm. the pen overlay moves with the word that it was over. Which I'm sure there're going to be interesting issues there. It'll be interesting to see how it works in practice, but it's a it's a clever idea because that's a real thing that happens where somebody gives you a file and what you have to do is sort of have the file over here and make the changes over there and track like oh now this is different so where is that comment again and all of that. And the idea here is that it all just is happening live and it moves with you. So it certainly demos well. We'll see how how it works in practice, but that was uh, I thought that was pretty clever. Feels like nice additions, right? And being able sure. to like create reports of numbers and and keynote and write and scribble and you know that kind of stuff feels like just good additions. In general, saying look, iWork's going to be better with the pencil. That we're gonna we're gonna make it iWork a stronger citizen in terms of the Apple Pencil. Um, I think is a good. I think it's a good move. And it was funny to me where I was like, oh, they they, they didn't have stuff like this before. <laughs> so, <laughs> huh. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, giving you giving you more reasons to use iWork. I think that's. I mean, that was one. That was part of this story, right? Is I during that iWork section, I kept thinking to myself, well, they've got the software. They ought to leverage it to do whatever they want. And so they said, we're going to leverage it for pen markup in schools, and we're going to leverage it to use iWork to build uh, books. And you know, it's like we've got this software that we own and control and can build to our latest and greatest hardware, that's kind of why it exists. So let's do it. And and it's funny that they're doing that now and that they didn't necessarily do that so much when the pencil came out originally, mm-hmm. but it's good that it's there now. 
And so Pages has now seemed to have swallowed up iBooks author, and you can create digital books right in Pages. I don't know this. I don't know if you know this. Is iBooks author dead? Is it is it done with? I think it is. Okay. I don't know that. I assume it is. I'll put it that way. And one of the reasons I assume that is for people who haven't used iBooks author, iBooks author was based on Pages. It was based on an old version oh. of Pages. <laughs> and so okay. it was always this weird thing where it was kind of like, this is kind of Pages, but kind of not. But I'm sure people like David Sparks and Serenity Caldwell are going to be investigating quite what, what has changed. People who have spent a lot of time using iBooks Author. But um, my guess is that this is iBooks Author getting pulled back into Pages, which is going to be good because iBooks Author didn't get a lot of love. And if it's if those features are just nice book creation features inside a core iWork app, it probably bodes well for the product because iBooks Author would sort of like sit out there and not get any updates and you know and get old and creaky while iWork was moving ahead. And so if it's all just back inside Pages, that's probably all for the best. Okay, that makes sense then. Um, and also, I guess it has it does have some extra features though. Like you can collaborate, right? Like there is collaboration of sorts built into to pages, so multiple people can work on a book at the same time, which is not something that can occur with the current the current crop of sure. tools, right? Yeah, iBooks author, yeah, doesn't do a lot. But so, I have a I have I think, a question for you on this though. I was thinking about this. Does adding does just does taking iBooks author away, like removing a standalone product and making it a feature of pages, does that emphasize or de-emphasize the the feature? Like, does it make it more important because it's part of pages, or does it make it less important because it doesn't have its own app anymore? Mm, I think in the long run, I think it makes it more important because it's part of the core functionality and not a right. strange side project okay. that gets less love. And then let's not forget the major thing that's happening here is this is on iOS and Mac, whereas iBooks Author was yes. was Mac only. So that's, that's a big step forward that you can do book creation on iOS. You don't need to go to the Mac for it. And the, uh, you, what you did mention there about being in the core product, it means it like it forces them to update it because if they put something whiz bang into pages that you can't export as a book, well, that's a problem, isn't it? You know, so right. it, 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 right. it locks the team into making sure that the digital book creation tools, as Apple called them, are updated with all of the new stuff, which is, which is a good point. Um, I'm expecting that you will be happy anytime that uh, iCloud storage limits are updated and they've increased it for, from students uh, from five gigabytes to 200 gigabytes for free for, for all students as part of a yeah, school, how about which that? is great. Can, we, really can we get that for everybody? But they were like, just for students. <laughs> no, everybody else like, is, can we, does that mean that I get free? Five? No, nope. you, don't get, not for you, you don't get 200 free. Regular people just get five, but for students, 200. Which is that is that is a case where Apple is foregoing profit margin in order to tell a better story for education. That's a case because that was a huge complaint in education for this five gigabyte iCloud storage pro Apple ID. And so to take that to two hundred gigs, that is a place where they're being aggressive and saying, you know, we don't need to. This is not a place where we need to squeeze profits out of this. Where and we can make this a much better experience for education. I wish they do that for all their customers, but for education, it's a very good move. Just a morsel of late-breaking news sent to us by Stephen Hackett. Um, the iWork updates are out on iOS now, and they have a feature to collaborate in real time on documents stored in Box. 
the the I don't know what what are these cloud storage called? cloud storage. So if you box. have Net. documents in Box, you can collaborate in real time on those oh, yeah, documents. See, so that's a uh, that's basically a business enterprise kind of feature, which is cool. Of. That's cool. I wonder yeah, if for all those enterprises different... that are using Pages, but yeah, well, yeah. But if you use Box though. And yeah. you maybe now have a really good application for it. Like it's going to require testing, right? Like how real time is real time? Is it more real time than the iCloud stuff? And if that's the case, that could be a really good reason to use it, well, which could be cool. You know, I think that could be cool. Um, Apple Classroom, uh, which is an administrative tool for uh, teachers and administrators that are managing lots of devices, is coming to the Mac now in mm. June. Now, a friend of the show, Guillermo Rambo, pointed out, which I thought was very interesting, <laughs> that this is an existing iOS-only application that's coming to the Mac in June. And he says, hmm. Thinking emoji. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the joke being here, uh, is, this, is this a hint of some of these cross-platform Marzipan tools? We don't know. Possibly. Potentially. Um, but it is interesting that this stuff is coming later. There's a lot of things actually that are coming in June with 11.4, which is which they mentioned and is mentioned on some uh, kind of asterisks on Apple's website today. Yeah, I think uh, Marzipan, if it even happens, there's a question of like, will apps be able to be built back for older versions or will this be for new versions that come out this fall? But of course it's Apple, so they could build something using it as a test case even and then um, have it be compatible with current versions even though other people's apps might not be. I don't know. Uh, it's in interesting. My uh, semi-snarky take on this is like, oh look, an iOS app coming to the Mac. Why would they do that in education? And the answer is, it's the app for teachers because teachers are olds. Mm. And they like computers instead of iPads. And the fact is, it's true. Like, old, teachers are older than students, right? And old, people who are older are more likely to be comfortable with personal computers than they are with iPads and with a touch interface. And I've seen it in my kids' schools that, you know, they, my in my son's middle school, they've got iPad one-to-one -one and the teachers have, uh, have laptops. They have Mac laptops on their desks and they're comfortable with the laptop. So... Um, this is smart because this shows that they're they're hearing the feedback that uh, teachers would like this on the Mac. Um, and, but it is a little intriguing, I will admit, that an iOS app being brought back to the Mac, what's happening there? How is that happening? But, you know, it's not, it's not as if, like, you could argue that iWork and iMovie um, in their latest Mac iterations are the same in a way where they re-architected those programs and basically rewrote them so that they would work across iOS and Mac OS um, and that they were doing some of that work. So it's not unprecedented, but it is, it is worth a thinking face emoji. I have more real-time follow-up from Steven. Um, oh pages. Does he want to be on the show? Should we just uh, <laughs> dial him in here? Pages so does not open any existing iBooks author files. And you cannot export from pages to the iBooks author format. You can only export to EPUB, but I believe it is to uh -huh. a newer version of EPUB, which allows oh, for yeah. a lot of these digital things well, in it. So this this may be the ultimate, like the the deprecation of iBooks author as a concept, and yep. instead just kind of getting on the more elaborate EPUB, EPUB. train, which I think is EPUB the right thing to up. do. Right, it kind of yeah. seemed a bit pointless for Apple to maintain their own file format, but I bet that that's going to take away all of those weird restrictions about not being able to sell 
an iBooks author file outside of iBooks, right? So yeah. now people could make these files in pages and in theory sell them because they're not locked down to Apple's file format. And potentially, I mean, I haven't looked to what the legals say, but it may change <laughs> yeah. the situation a little bit. So that could I, I don't know. People. I mean, in the vast array of non-Apple EPUB eBooks readers and stores that are out there, I mean, there's not. That's the thing is great, but kind of irrelevant because the big book uh, juggernaut here is Amazon, which doesn't even support EPUB. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, There was a new app announced, which is an iOS app and a cloud service called Schoolwork. What is Schoolwork? Schoolwork is, uh, it's kind of like an aspect of Google Classroom. It's like, let's uh, teachers manage... What is it? They they let teachers it's like manage handouts and homework and stuff. And handouts and homework and track progress and also apps. Yeah, you can assign specific things in applications, right? Like this week you have to do this, and it's from a third party app. And it uses the new ClassKit framework, so you have the ability to say, you know, do this segment of this app, this this class, this uh, coursework, and then it'll actually. Uh, send back data of the student's progress, which the teacher gets to look at and say they completed it, they're halfway through it, whatever. They did this well on it, they did this poorly on it. So it's more tools for teachers to communicate with students in Apple's administered environment, which is one of the places where Apple is really um, fighting against Google because Google Classroom stuff is available on iOS. And uh, like I said, that the, you know, my son's iPad one-to-one program at uh, the middle school uses Google Classroom to administer it. And that's, um, you know, a challenge for Apple because Apple would like to control that and, uh, and not have Google control that. And the last piece of Apple's puzzle, um, is providing resources to, to teachers and they do this and they highlight something called Apple teacher, which is not a new thing, but it is a, an online learning kind of suite of tools to help teachers understand how they can integrate apps and devices and services into their class into their classes into their classwork um but apple also creates curriculum and they have a, a new curriculum set called everyone can create which focuses on music photography video and drawing and, and has a bunch of like lesson plans and stuff like that that teachers can use uh for creating new i don't know classes i don't know i don't really know how to 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 describe it but you may probably know better than me yeah it's i think for the um a company that's at the at the intersection of technology and the liberal arts doing everyone can create alongside everyone can code is a nice idea Mm -hmm. because it's the other you know i don't know whether it's the other half of the brain but it is a, a different set of things that are great for education you know music and art and, and stuff like that, that 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 they're doing with that curriculum. So it's not just Apple would like a new generation of app developers to develop for its flat plat its platform. Thank you very much. Right. It's also yes. Also, perhaps you could be learning about music and and uh, drawing and painting and stuff like that. Video making. So basically, everything that we've spoken about. The, the the hardware, um, basically all of the software, all of the videos that you saw, all of the slides, very heavily focused on the iPad and on iOS. Before the event, you tweeted, and I will I will read I will read this tweet to our audience here. 
As an iPad fan, I am always hoping for iPad news and I think we'll get some. But I do hope the Mac gets a little time too. If it doesn't, I think that will be telling about the Mac's place in the Apple landscape. Um, I my, my feeling was that you, when you wrote that, you were at least a little bit hopeful that you were going to see some Mac stuff. And there kind of wasn't really anything. Um, what does that tell you? I can tell you the two two places where the Mac really played in this presentation. One is they had a picture of a Mac um, and announced, oh, and now you can do this on iOS. And the Mac swiped away to be replaced by an iPad. And I thought, <laughs> okay. Because the, the Mac was up there and I was like, ooh, look, they're using a Mac as an explanation of, oh, no. no get that thing out. Get that smelly thing out of here. <laughs> and the other one was what I said earlier, which is, yeah, we're bringing this app from iOS to the Mac because teachers are old people who use computers instead of iPads and uh, fine teachers, fine, you're fossils. You're old, but yeah, we'll give it to you on the Mac. And those were the two places that the Mac appeared in this. So I think that says, uh, like I said, I think that tells you what Apple feels the Mac's place is in education, which is it's not their area of emphasis, um, especially in K through 12, which is really what this was about, not higher ed. I think higher ed is a different story entirely. Um, and that, But they're viewing this as being a place that's mostly – it's funny – also, because I have to say, in one of the areas where we were, where we were doing after the event, where we were doing these, you know, hands-on and demo areas, one of those rooms on the second level, it had like a little uh, kind of mezzanine above the main lab area. There were, uh, you know, a couple dozen iMacs all in a row, mm-hmm. and I imagine that they're doing like video editing or audio stuff up there. It was in the kind of creative space, and I I sat there and I thought, you know. Well, there are the Macs in this school. There are lots of them, and they're using them, but not part of this conversation. So for whatever reason, and we can come up with lots of reasons, but like this is – if you're taking the temperature of what Apple's really pushing in education, that's the answer is that it's it's iPad, and it's not the Mac. The Mac is not part of the story. The Mac's there, and people who want the Mac for various things and for some stuff like video editing right now, at least until you know Final Cut comes to iOS and Logic – comes to iOS, uh, you know, for now, they've got some reasons why you would still have Macs in school, but you get the distinct feeling that once Apple can get those reasons out and into the iPad, they'll do, they'll do that too. So that's, it does, I think I stand by my statement <laughs> that it is telling that how, exactly how the Mac played into this, which is almost not at all once for old teachers and once as a, as a before shot in a before and after. Like I'm not trying to like lead the witness here, but does this fill you with any negative feelings? Do you feel any like unease or may I even say dread at this? If if you made me choose between would the iPad be all there was or would it be Mac and iPad, I would probably have chosen iPad would be all there is. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it was clear the iPad was going to be the bulk of it, and it was really about like will will the Mac get mentioned? And the answer is no. <laughs> Basically, no. It didn't get mentioned. So um, it's what I expected. And I, I think I love the Mac, and I think the Mac has its place, but I totally see why Apple... First off, you know, uh, the Mac starts at $999, and the iPad starts at $329. You want to talk about price? Like, the Mac's not even in the conversation. iPad, for this this market especially, like, that's the product. That is Apple's lowest cost 
straight up, let's leave phones and subsidies like aside. Like that is that is Apple's entry into computing is the iPad for 329. That's it. The Mac's way up there. Forget about the Mac. And I think that's why the story is what it is. The Mac still has its uses, but this is part of that, you know, truckification of the Mac as for very specific jobs and very specific plays. Um, and it's not like it doesn't have its, use, its uses. Like I said, I bought my, my, uh, my daughter a MacBook um, for her birthday. And she's a high school student and she'll presumably take that MacBook to college. And I think it's the right decision for a lot of reasons. But I also understand exactly why my son's school has iPads for all the students. And I, I'm pretty supportive of that. I think that, that they have good reasons for doing that. Um, and if I'm Apple and I'm building a, a foundation for a long-term future in education, price aside, of course, every long-term future decision Apple's making has to be rooted in iOS and not the Mac because it's their newer platform. It's their more popular platform. And it's the one that is more um, positioned to move forward into the future, whether it gets new features or it kind of like leads the way into a, you know, a new Apple platform down the road. So it all makes sense to me. It's, uh, am I a little wistful about it? You know, I think I'm over that too, just because like I said, when you can get a MacBook Air that's old tech for nine ninety nine, or you can get a brand new iPad for three twenty nine, that I'll grant you is not the latest and greatest processor, but it's way more latest and greatest than the MacBook Air is. Um, I think the writing's on the wall there. I'm just going to say, like at this point, I do not believe we're going to see that cheap current MacBook Air. I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like if it wasn't happening today, it's not happening. I think what we will see is a cheaper current version of the Retina MacBook was the next yeah, product in that g- line. Given given Mark Gurman's report and the fact that it didn't get mentioned or announced today, even in a press release, it makes me think that the report of a cheaper MacBook is a weird misunderstanding of what German's reporting of a, a cheaper MacBook Air is it's a misunderstanding of what yep. German's reporting the fact that there's going to be a cheaper MacBook that Apple's going to try to take the MacBook and push it down in price so that they can replace the MacBook Air and and you know they may not push it down to 999 they mo- might push it down to 1099 or 1199 but it would still be down and they may keep the MacBook Air around for a little while but yes I'm with you I think this is this makes that story seem less likely because why wouldn't they have done it if the whole reason that product exists is to reach people in education and other other places that just are not going to spend a, uh, more than a thousand dollars on a computer then they would have talked about it today like with all big events we have lots of questions from the upgradians so we should move to hashtag ask upgrade but before we do let me thank our final sponsor for this week, and that is Mac Weldon, who make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you are ever going to wear. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, and they are so confident of this, they have a no questions asked return policy. Whatever you buy at Mac Weldon is going to be amazing because they use premium fabrics, use premium cotton with natural fibers. They make stuff that they make their undershirts that stay tucked in. They make their sh- socks that stay rolled up, and their waistbands that don't 
don't roll down. They're so confident of all of this amazing stuff that they're going to be able to send you that if you are not amazingly comfortable in whatever you buy, for any reason, if you don't like it, just send it back to them and they'll refund you, no questions asked. This is because Mack Weldon know that they are making great stuff. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means that they eliminate odor, which is some really cool science stuff. But you can take it from me as over time, I have slowly replaced all of my underwear and all of my uh, flying attire, I should say. I love my, my Mac Gordon sweatpants. Your flying, flying equipment? Attire, my flying equipment. And also all of my gym wear as well with Mac Gordon stuff. And I have been doing this with my own money. This isn't just because they're sending it to me. Every time I come out to the States, I buy like a big package of Mac Gordon stuff and get it sent to me because I really genuinely find this stuff to be extremely comfortable and my favorite stuff to wear. Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good and perform well. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or for everyday life. Even just hanging out at home and watching an Apple keynote via a live blog, if that's what you want to do. Listeners yeah. of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That is M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Just use the code UPGRADE and you will get that 20% off. Our thanks to Mack Weldon for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So um, we move into hashtag ask upgrade, and our first question comes from Victor. Victor asks, now that the base 9.7-inch iPad has pencil support, who is the target audience of the 10.5-inch iPad Pro? It's nearly double the price and almost no significant features above the base model except the display. Do you think that there are still people in this segment that would want that that this target product is targeted at before there's an update do you think that there are people that this product is really made for do you think it's keyboard people do you think it's people who just want the latest and greatest and best or do you think that basically everybody could be served by this 9.7 now yeah it's bigger screen smaller bezels it's faster it's thinner uh it's got the keyboard support it's got the display and it hasn't even had its update this year so that's so like, my answer. I agree with you. I, I think that, like, you know, I understand why people are like it's double the price. But really, like, you are thinking of the iPad Pro as just only having a pencil. Like, that's kind of like, if that's the way that you look at it, that's like all you think the iPad Pro has. But it is more than that. It's all of those things but you mentioned, right? The promotion It goes display. back to what we said earlier, which yep. is... You know, if the only reason you can think for buying an iPad Pro over an, this iPad was the pencil, then yeah, sure. But I, I don't think that. And I, I would imagine that it's a fairly small group of people. I will grant that this brings it closer. But keep in mind, this is now the 2018 iPad and the 2017 iPad Pro. And what's going to happen later this year, maybe in June, maybe in September, maybe in October, is... Those iPad Pros are going to get updated. They're going to get Face ID probably. They're going to lose the bezel even more. They're going to get the latest and greatest processor. They're going to have, you know, other whizzy new features. And it, the, you know, so they've gotten a little closer today. They're going to, they're going to spread back apart. And that's, that is the way it works. So Stay asked, today's events seem pretty heavy uh, on the creative side. Were there any updates or hints of updates to apps like GarageBand, iMovie, or other consumer-level creative apps other than iWork? Uh, there's a GarageBand update that's got, like, uh, education, wacky stuff, wacky sound packs and stuff like that mm -hmm. in there. 
There was a clips update. And there's a clips update too, yeah. But I did want to note that something that wasn't mentioned on stage, I don't believe, or at least Ooh. I didn't see it until until the release notes. GarageBand on the iPhone X uses the True Depth camera to allow you to control instrument effects with your facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> like synth parameters and wah pedals and stuff like that. You can make a face and make like if you open your mouth, uh, like with a like with a producer. Alex thing. has doubled over with laughter in, uh, the, in the booth <laughs> at this point. Alex, uh, what is your opinion of of these true depth uh, instrument effects? Is he, are you on board with this idea? I mean, I'm sure that I'm going to have a lot of fun with it for about 15 minutes. <laughs> it's going to be great with Animoji. and similarly uh, used, probably. I, hey, try stuff out. See what happens. Maybe that's great. You're DJing, you're playing stuff, and then you 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 stub your toe when you grimace, and it's like, oh, that was a pretty good sound. And then that makes you smile, and then the sound goes away because you're not grimacing anymore. You're smiling. <laughs> Just imagine the possibilities there. The better your there. music is, the better it will sound, right? If you're happy with how your music's sounding, then it's going to sound better. I think that's what they're trying to do. All right. So basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a GarageBand project, and I'll be like, okay, i got to smile while I'm exporting this, or it'll sound bad. So going back to the new iPad, Matthias asked, does the iPad, the new iPad, have the laminated screen from the iPad Pros, or is there like that gap uh, like there is on the previous iPad? Uh, I think I think it is like on the previous iPad. I think that's uh, that's the deal. Yeah, the uh, the tech specs do not say fully laminated display. Um, yep. As it does on some of the other products, including, including, which is hilarious to me, the iPad Mini has it, uh, but the mm. the, the, the 9.7 inch iPad does not. So iPad it's still Mini is still a product, still a product, product line, still more expensive. Uh, it's still there, still kind of doing whatever it is it's doing, whatever that is. They did they make too many of those, and they've got them sitting in a factory Most somewhere. Most definitely did they. Woo, boy, howdy. Uh, Lee wants to know. We have any more information on the Logitech Crayon, um, and I have some information here, Jason. I don't because Sarah I went to the well. event, and, and I also didn't get that you, information. And you just didn't bother to look for it because you probably weren't that excited about it. Yeah, uh, that's also probably true. I, I was intrigued. The question for me, so you you can tell me this. Mm-hmm. The question for me is, does it use some secret sauce that the Apple Pencil uses, or is it just yet another Bluetooth stylus? Yes and no. So the Logitech Crayon is a $49 education-only stylus, but it uses the same technology as the Apple Pencil. So it has the same latency. You can tilt, and it will make the lines grow thicker and, and thinner, but it has no pressure sensitivity. So that's that's the thing that it lacks. It has basically all of the technology that the Apple Pencil has, but no uh, pressure sensitivity. It connects directly to the iPad via single a single frequency. It's not Bluetooth. I don't really know what that actually means, but it, fine. Uh, it has eight hours of battery, but with a lightning plug in. It doesn't have a lightning pl- lightning uh, port built into it. You plug a lightning cable into ah. it. So that's very different. It's available this summer, sold directly to educators for $49. So it is... It has, you know, it has a lot of what the Apple Pencil has. It doesn't have everything, which is why it's cheaper. Um, it does right. have a little LED status light, so you know when it's connected and it blinks red when the battery's running low. 
Um, so it has it has some additional things. Uh, it's a lot cheaper. It doesn't have all of the features, but it has the most important features, in my opinion, which is the low latency um, and the tilt sensitivity of the Apple right. Pencil with, I'm assuming, easy connection as well. Um, so, but uh, so yeah, I think that's really cool. I I like that this product exists. I really like that um, Apple works with Logitech uh, on these on these features for education. I think it's great. Like let Logitech make stuff if Apple don't want to make it. Um, yep. Brian wants to know: Can the shared iPad functionality in schools be used without using education tools? What is the shared iPad functionality? You imagine uh, you get an iPad and it's got a picture of uh, various users on it, and you tap on one and it loads that user's documents and right. it's their iPad. And then they and this has existed for a while, log out. Right? Like Two 10, years, three? I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, but, and the answer is no. It's an education only feature. Great. And our last <laughs> question today comes from Michael. Michael simply asks, are you underwhelmed, whelmed, or overwhelmed at today's event? I think um, I think whelmed, you said it before, and I think that is about right. This was this was a focused Apple event to launch a, a new iPad at the low end and some stuff around it and tell about its education strategy. And it pretty much delivered that and only that. So whelmed. I would say, is about right. It met my basic expectations for what an acceptable event could be today, really. Like, yep. It, it did that. It ticked those boxes. And no more. And no more. But no less. Um, Producer Alex, are you underwhelmed, whelmed, or overwhelmed? I, I, I'd i say I agree. I am whelmed. I, you know, I'm actually really disappointed about one thing, and... Um, I'm, I'm going to say if you want to leave this in and you are, if there are any upgradeians who work in the education market and I could possibly pay you to get a few of those Logitech crayons, I'm at Alex Cox on Twitter. All right. Goodbye. There you go. At Alex Cox on Twitter. Alex really wants some Logitech crayons. If someone can, can hook her up with that. Black uh, market crayons. It's orange and it tells you when it's dying. It's perfect. I am really keen to try one of those out personally, just like to see to see what it's like. Um, but it's also not coming out thing. until like June, right? June. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did see something like a few people said. So I, I think it's pretty funny. Like so many of these features are coming out June, like in June, like three months before the school year ends. Like it's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the point is that it's it's not it's not for the school year. It's for the buying for next school year. The yeah. buying cycle for the school starts at the end of the you know, previous school year because they're planning for the summer to roll things out and have them in the schools for the fall. So this is a, actually a good time for something like this. So that is it for this week's episode. Jason, congratulations on your draft victory. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'd forgotten all about that, but um, thank you for How reminding you? me. Yes, it was a, it was not my best effort, but we did nope. just enough to win. Um, I want to extend our thanks to Alex Cox for being the producer of this episode and also providing Jason with an incredible uh, environment in which he could record this episode. Thank you, Alex. Of course, always. Uh, you can find Alex at DubaiFriday.com and at Relay.fm slash Roboism. Um, they are two of Alex's wonderful podcasts that you should go and listen to both of them because they're both great um, in in equal ways but different ways. And I love both of those shows dearly, so you should go and check those out. Um, and Alex is Alex Cox, A-L-E-X-C-O-X on Twitter if you need to, if you need, you know, to get her some of those crayons that she so desperately needs. 
Uh, I think Alex is willing to do a bulk purchase order requisition uh, if that's something that you need for for your school. I believe that she's willing to take a thousand. Was what I heard of those, right? Yeah, about about that amount. Yeah, okay, yep. about about a thousand. Take, you could just back up a truck to her apartment. She'll just <laughs> scoop them all in. Um, if you want to find our show notes for today's episode, you can go to relay.fm/upgrade/slash one eight six. Don't forget that Relay FM is going to be doing a live show at Orkconf um, on June the sixth as part of WWE. DC. You can go to orgconf.com to get tickets right now. Um, these are selling out pretty quickly. Uh, I know that a lot of people will now know they're going to be in WWDC because the lottery winners and results <laughs> winners uh, have been announced. It's so hilarious. And winners Congratulations, have the ability you can spend to pay a lot of money on a ticket. $1,500 to go to a conference. Um, but if you are going to be at WWDC and you don't yet have a ticket to our show or to ATP, uh, you need to go and get one of those because it's they're selling out and we want to see you there uh, i will be there jason will be there uh, many relay fm hosts will be there to to entertain you for an afternoon and evening uh, jason writes at sixcolors.com i'm sure you'll be able to find uh, a lot more post event analysis over at sixcolors.com jason is also at j snell j-s-n-e-l-l on twitter i am at imike i-m-y-k-e thanks again to anchor mac walden and simple contacts for their support of this show and we'll be back next week until then say goodbye jason snell goodbye everybody